It's good to see everybody out tonight. Let's all stand together and sing. Let's talk about Jesus all over the whole congregation tonight. Not just the Iwana folks, but everybody around. We'll sing Let's Talk About Jesus maybe a couple times through, and then we'll move on with the program. Amen. So good to see everyone tonight. Here we go. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He. The Lord of Lords supreme. about Jesus more and more. One more time. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He. The Lord of Lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am the way the truth the about Jesus more and more. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, for this time we're able to assemble together. Father, thank you for a good one a year, Lord, and Father, we just uh, want to praise your holy name for it. God, I pray you be with all the teachers tonight, Lord, as they celebrate a year's end, and Father, just thank you, Lord, for the wonderful times that they have had this year with their kids. Father, we're just uh, looking forward to what you have in store for us here tonight. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Nope. Hang on. It's been a while. <laughs> for me, anyway. We're going to do some pledges, right? Need some teen, some teenagers hadn't done this in a while. Michaela, since you nominated them, you're going to get to come up here. <laughs> Noah? Noah? All right, come on, Noah. You just got voluntold. That's how we operate at SAGBC. You got voluntold. Have some enthusiasm about it now. They get too excited. If everybody was excited as Miranda, we wouldn't be able to hold this place down. I'm going to tell you right now. I like her enthusiasm she has. All right, let's do the American flag. Michaela, hold it up high. There you go. Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Christian flag. Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for volunteering. <laughs> Let's get our Bibles out. Pledge to the Bible. Ready? I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. All right, now you can be seated. Appreciate all you kids coming out tonight. Just want to remind everybody and tell your parents about it so parents listen up well. Sunday night will be our Awana graduation, so everybody come out. I know you'll be going over what you need to go over tonight for that, but just uh, prepare for that for Sunday night. We'll be having the Awana graduation. Looking forward to closing the year out on the Awanas, and then uh, we'll start praying for our new year coming around as uh, we go through the summertime. But, so uh, appreciate you coming out tonight. Cuppies, y'all go ahead. I know you got some snacks and things ready to go. Everybody's having a party tonight. Pizza and cupcakes. All right. Sparks. Teenagers, y'all hang out until song service is over, and uh, y'all got something in store for y'all as well. Brother Carl's got y'all set up tonight. Let's all stand together once again here tonight. Grab your blue song book. Turn to hymn number 236. It's page 236 tonight. I appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. We'll be singing No Not One. We'll do the first, second, and last verse. Hymn number 236 tonight in your blue song book. 
there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. None else could heal all our souls' diseases. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. No friend like him is high and holy. No, not one, no, not one. And yet no friend is so meek and lowly. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. Was there a gift like the Savior given? No, not one, no, not one. Will he refuse us a home in heaven? No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. Amen. Once again, I do appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Good to see everybody out in God's house tonight. Brother Scott, won't you open us up in prayer, brother? Amen. Let us all remain standing and turn over to hymn number 243. We'll do a verse and a course of victory in Jesus, and we'll have a time of fellowship. That's hymn number precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me Take some hands for a while.
this evening's offering. As we're coming, I always think when I sing uh, when we sing that song, Victory in Jesus, it's a song I love. But I had a young person tell me several years ago, said uh, before, said used to they would just stand in the congregation and sing that song along, said they never really looked at the words. And one day, I guess they was holding a songbook and said they didn't realize in the course where it says that he plunged me to victory, they always thought it said he punched me. <laughs> and you know, Jesus punching us to victory, amen. That'll get you going. Brother James, why don't you pray over the offering tonight? he had to be at and several meetings he needed to be at therefore the call us to just pray for them as they travel and pray for safety and uh, just remember that in a special way then also uh, Renee was sending out a couple text messages right before service started and uh, she said remember David Harbor David and Annette Harbor David uh, went to a doctor's appointment this after this morning this afternoon and while he was there um, some things wasn't right they had to put him in the ambulance in the Stewart Hospital to treat him for a heart attack and uh, said his enzymes are way high and his uh, kidneys are only functioning about 50%. So he's, you know, really need to cover him up in some prayer as uh, when you think about him tonight. So just pray for that. And also remember uh, Chelsea Preveno as well. Her and her dad has moved uh, to West Virginia for the time being with his mother. So uh, remember, remember that situation also. Any other prayer requests over here on my right-hand side tonight? We'll just start in the front and move to the back. Anybody? Go ahead, Miss
those requests tonight. Someone else in the middle? Ms. Vi? Yeah, let's uh, 
Let's not forget about Charlie. Hadn't talked to him since he came home from the hospital, how is he? The mean as ever? <laughs> we, was, we was riding him a little bit up in the hospital Sunday afternoon. He said, y'all kick a man when he's down. <laughs> he said, that's all right, I'm getting back up. <laughs> I said, I know it. That's why I got to get you while you're on your back. <laughs> Go ahead, Miss Lisa. Okay, remember her brother, Alan. Josh? kids at one time too. <laughs> Need to give them a long morning and a weed eater and keep them busy or something. <laughs> keep them out of trouble. So I see another hand. Go ahead. you're enjoying that hot weather carrying an extra person around. <laughs> Ms. Sheila? Okay. Daryl? We miss anybody? Any more hands tonight? Don't want to overlook nothing? Oh, Gerald, you mind praying over the prayer request tonight? turn to the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter number 9 tonight. Ecclesiastes in chapter number 9. <clears throat> Look at one verse there and uh, I'll draw the text from that and a couple other verses we'll, we'll work off of as well. Appreciate you being faithful to the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night. Midweek service. Trust you've been having a good week so far. Let's continue to pray for the uh, Burlington Revival meeting going on there in Burlington, North Carolina as they've extended it throughout this week and uh, just pray that God continue to move there, seeing souls saved and the good things that are happening there. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 verse number 10 so yeah, there's music to my ears hearing them Bible pages turn nothing sounds quite like a Bible page it's a different type of paper has its own unique sound Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is, there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. I want to pay attention to the first half of the verse. It says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, 
do it with thy might. And if I could, just for the next 30 minutes or so, I would like to uh, preach to you tonight on biblical enthusiasm. Biblical enthusiasm. If something we do in our life is, wor is worth anything, then it's worth everything. If something that we do in our life is worth anything, then it's worth everything. That word enthusiasm, you know, people have carried different meanings of that, but in actuality, enthusiasm is, a, is from an ancient Greek word, entheos, which means God within. That word also carries the meaning that it is God at work in you, enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a deep spiritual type of quality. Many think that enthusiasm is being hyped up or excited about something. And that, you know, at times that might be the case, but what we're talking about tonight and its true meaning, breaking it down to exactly what it means, is it is God at work in you. It's God within enthusiasm. Being hyped up or excited is not always the case. It's not a personality trait having enthusiasm. It's a deep spiritual trait that can be found all throughout the Bible. It says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. That word might, it speaks of enthusiasm, excitement, and energy. If you were to turn over to Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 23, the Bible tells us there, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. That word heartily means to do something enthusiastically. Do it with excitement. I mean, it's, it's very important to be excited about what you're involved in. You know, when you think about singing, we love to see and enjoy listening to an excited congregation or, or choir leader. I mean, everybody just kind of gets excited. You get caught up in the moment. Enthusiasm is actually contagious, and we'll see and we'll look deeper into that here in just a little while. But we love to see people get excited about it because if they get excited about it, then in turn we can get excited about it. I remember uh, at times we'd go down to the sword conference there at Gospel Light Baptist Church and they would bring in a, a song leader there. And I mean, he just had all kind of enthusiasm as he was leading the song. I mean, he was leading, singing for about 3,000 people there. And I mean, he was standing up and he was moving away from the pulpit and he would smack his hands on the right note. And I thought, man, that guy's just electrifying. He was enthusiastic. He had enthusiasm about what he was singing about. He was excited. When you think about enthusiasm, enthusiasm is contagious. There are many areas within our church that we need some godly enthusiasm. When you think about areas within our church, all the whole realm of it, I mean, you can go to the greeters, the ushers, the song leaders, the preachers, our teachers, nursery workers, groundskeepers, choir members, whatsoever you do, we need to have enthusiasm. Be enthusiastic about it. I get tickled at times as I'm up here leading congregational singing and, and you're trying to be excited about what you're singing about and you look out and sometimes all you see is frowns. I mean, it's like people just ate a bunch of lemons before we started singing. I don't know what happened. We're singing about Jesus, got victory in Jesus. I know my name is there. I'll fly away. How can you not be excited about those things? What happens a lot of times, I think, is we let the world determine, determine our attitude and it shouldn't be that way. Our attitude ought to be drawn from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What happens so many times is when we're in the church house, we hear that name Jesus a lot, or we hear uh, Jesus saves a lot, or we hear you know a lot of the same things over and over again, and it almost seems as if we get dull, or it almost gets deadened at times. Well, we ought to have some excitement and enthusiasm about the church house. You know, ushering and greeting is a very important part in, in a ministry of our church because when people come through those back doors, that's the first person they're going to meet is a greeter. I've noticed as we go to different churches at times or we go to different meetings at times and they'll have greeters there. And I mean, they greet you with a big old smile. Hey, man, how you doing today? Glad you came. I don't know what kind of day that guy had, but he knew that as he was being an usher, he was going to have some enthusiasm about what he'd done because my first, my first view of the church is how that greeter greeted me. I'll just pay attention to some of those smaller things. We had talked about it, song leaders. They didn't have an enthusiasm about what they're leading. Preachers, when they get excited about preaching the Word of God and they, you know, they turn red in the face and they hoot and holler and, and get excited and run around a church or whatever as they're doing illustrations, I mean, that's exciting. They, got, they have enthusiasm, that godly enthusiasm about what they're doing. Whatsoever you do. I know in life it may be frustrating at times. It may be a little discouraging at times. It may be even hard at times. But if you're doing what God has laid on your heart to do, then deep down inside there is a flame of enthusiasm in you that is burning and nobody can put it out. 
Whatever the naysayers say, whatever the haters say, it does not matter because they're not driving you. It's that flame that's on the inside that's burning within you. That's why whatever ministry you're in, we need to do it wholeheartedly and do it enthusiastically. Have some excitement about what you're doing. Enthusiastic does not mean self-motivated. You don't need to, you can't get it through a special diet, what we're talking about tonight. You can't get it from some type of vitamin supplement plan. It's not self-motivation, but rather it's spirit motivation. Remember, enthusiasm means God within. It's God working in you. Our motivation comes from God. It's not something that can be worked up. If it's real biblical enthusiasm, it does not take exercise. It's not through some type of video program that we watch. It doesn't come from music or from your favorite song. Our enthusiasm comes from God. To be enthusiastic. Enthusiasm comes from within. It's an internal flame that God continuously fans that's inside of our being. It's a driving desire to think higher and better. I've had people ask me before, why are you so positive about things? Why do you always carry a smile on your face all the time? It's simple. Enthusiastic people are optimistic about life and they're not pessimistic. Optimistic. You'll never be able to get a negative response from an enthusiastic person. You'll always get a positive twist in things. They're always looking to the brighter side of things. They're always trying to find something good in something else. They always see a glass half full instead of half empty. They understand that this is the day that the Lord has made and they choose to rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what comes their way. You can, you can succeed at almost anything if you have endless enthusiasm about it. Some may call that the Midas touch. It's an old term we used to throw around. Everything he or she touches turns to gold, the Midas touch. But it's not in his or her touch, but it's in their enthusiasm. If you're excited about what you do, if you have enthusiasm about what you're doing, then most likely you'll be successful at it. You get to thinking about it, or I get to thinking about it, I'm excited about being a dad. I'm excited about being a husband. I'm excited about the ministry that I'm involved in. I get excited about my wife. I'm excited about what God has called me to do. I get excited, maybe not all the time, I get excited about my job. <laughs> of course, there's days that it's hard, but you wake up in the morning and, and you just have that enthusiasm, that morning drive that gets you out of the house. When you wake up in the morning, you don't need some pep rally. They ain't got a gymnasium full of people out there with the drums and the band playing, trying to get you pumped up to go somewhere. No, it's a built-in internal flame. Can't you see yourself in the morning <laughs> as you're getting ready for work? You know, I mean, that would just be crazy. But you got your music playing in the bathroom, and I mean, you're in there and you're trying to jump around. Man, I got to get going. I got to get out of here. But I just want to be in a band. I don't need that. I wake up in the morning, I'm excited, I'm enthusiastic about my life, about being a husband, a dad, about my job, my ministry, my wife, and what God has called me to do. And that's that internal flame that drives you out the door. Remember, enthusiasm is God at work in you. I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles with me, chapter 31. give you a moment to turn there second chronicles chapter 31 verse number 20 and it says and thus did hezekiah throughout all judah and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the lord his god pay attention to verse 21 it says and in every work that he began in the service of the house of god and in the law and in the commandments to seek his god he did it with all his heart and prospered when the Bible speaks of doing something with all your heart, it speaks of doing it with all your might. You need to understand tonight that the heart is the seat of our emotions. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23 challenges us to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The heart is a very important member that we have in our being. Not only does it pump the blood that goes throughout our body, but it's also the seat of our emotions. When you do something with all your heart, you're doing it heartily as unto the Lord. That's why it needs to be first rate and first class. We're doing it for the Lord. Why we want to give them our leftovers and give them, you know, just whatever we have left. Let's give them the best we got. He gave us his best. 
Second Chronicles 31, 21, the Bible says that in every work and service of the Lord must be done with all your heart in order to prosper. If a church worker is excited or enthusiastic about their ministry, it's going to prosper. If a contractor is excited about building houses, then his business will prosper. If a doctor is excited about his or her practice, then it will prosper. Enthusiasm about what God has given us to do is what it takes to be successful and to prosper in life. Got to have some enthusiasm about it. Need to be enthusiastic about what God has called us to do. Now we need to understand also tonight that no one can keep his or her own enthusiasm automatically. At times it has to be nourished. It has to be nourished. How do we nourish enthusiasm? Enthusiasm can burn out sometimes unless we nourish it with new actions and new aspirations and new visions. Proverbs 29 and verse number 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. We've got to have a vision. We've got to keep trying to press forward and keep going higher and doing better and newer and greater things. Isaiah 43 and verse number 19, it says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Man, in the independent Baptist circles, that's just unscriptural, new thing. We get scared at the new thing. We get a little nervous when somebody says something new. That's just how we've been taught down through the years. Got to keep it the same old way, same old way, same old way all the time. When times change, people change. The message never changes, but sometimes our methods have to change. The message has always been Jesus saves. It will always be Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Don't get so nervous. Even God said, I will do a new thing. He's always doing new things. Our methods can change, but the message needs to never change. Old victories are great memories, but it's hard to survive off of past victories. They're just memories. It was great while it lasted. Tomorrow's a new day. We need new goals and challenges to ignite us to new heights and levels that we might have never seen that keeps enthusiasm flaming along. You have to challenge yourself. Go in a new direction. Try something new. If you fail, pick yourself up and try it again. Try to go a different direction. It's hard to get enthusiastic. And I think you know where I'm going when I say this, but it's hard to get enthusiastic about just the same old repetitive thing. There has to be changes every once in a while, and it's okay. It's okay. Smile at me. Wave. Do something. Some of y'all are just sitting there. It's making me nervous. Do something new. <laughs> but don't be scared of something new. See, what happens is we get comfortable in the old stuff. We get comfortable. And when you're comfortable, you just sit back and you relax and everything's going to be exactly like it was and how it's always been. And when, we in, when you're in that comfortable zone, we get lazy. We get lazy. It doesn't take any effort to keep on doing the same old thing because it becomes repetitive and it's just uh, we're going to go to church and we're going to do this and we're going to sing that and I'm going to teach Sunday school and it's just going to be the same old thing we're going to go through the motions there's no excitement, no enthusiasm everybody pretty much knows what's going to happen when it's going to happen when he's going to say the last amen and I'm going to beat you to the restaurant but the challenge comes when we step out of, by faith and get out of our comfort zones In the past, past month or so, I've picked up a challenging book that I've, I've read some and I've laid it down and I've picked it back up and I've, I've really dug into it here in the past couple of weeks. But it's a book that is all about our internal instinct and that inborn drive that is in us. Just a few quotes that I had underlined I was reading through the book. It says, instincts separate the mighty from the mediocre. See, in the comfortable zone, everything's just mediocre. But when you step out of the comfort zone 
and you get out here into an area that you've never been, all of a sudden you begin to realize some things about yourself and you can do some things that you didn't even know that you could do because you challenged yourself. You become somebody different. You've done something new. You stepped out of that comfort zone. Instinct separates the mighty from the mediocre. It is the law of instincts that determines how we manage the moment, move into position and adapt, resourcefully create and strategically forward ahead, forge ahead without fear. That internal instinct. Living by instinct elevates your ability to know where you're going and how to get there. The author I'm reading behind said, the higher you ascend on your own unique path, the fewer the number of trailblazers ahead of you. Allowing your instincts to guide you will at times be lonely. When you're a trailblazer and you're ahead of the rest of the pack, doing your own unique thing, not many people up there with you. We cannot allow imitation or emulation to dictate our decisions. Exposure to others must be the fuel not the engine itself. You understand that? Exposure to others must be the fuel and not the engine that's driving us. You see somebody else, something kind of fuels something up inside of you. Say, man, I think I can do that and I can take it to another level. This is the one phrase that I love what he said. And I hope everybody can amen me on this one. He said, I have never had a hater who's doing better than me. Never had a hater who's doing better than me. Most time when you're forging ahead of everybody else, there's always somebody who wants to pull you back down. Said, you can't make it, you can't do that. We can't do them new things. Said, I'll be quiet. Keep on forging. He goes on to say that people ahead of you, living in the liberty of their instinct-guided uniqueness, They'll welcome you, encourage you, and mentor you. They'll inspire you to be a pioneer and not a poser. True leaders must be enthusiastic about what God has called them to do. You can never lead without the attitude that says, we've never done it that way. Because mentality like that, it kind of kills enthusiasm. Somebody comes up to you and says, man, I got this great new plan. I think we ought to try this. I think it'll be very exciting. No, nah, we've never done that. Just took the air right out of the balloon. But what happens with enthusiasm? It breeds a positive attitude. Positive attitude equals positive results. Negative attitude equals negative results. Enthusiasm breeds passion, and passion breeds potential. In other words, how bad do we want to succeed in life or to succeed for God? If you want to do something great for God, how badly do you want it? We need to live a life of expectancy. When you come to the house of God, what are you expecting? Are you coming for anything? Or are you just coming just because you've always came? Expect something great to happen when we come to the church house. We need to be expecting that. We just need to quit going just through the, just through the motions of life. I'm going to do the same thing I've always done. You need to prepare yourself for every service that we come to. Say, how can I get prepared for church service? Be prayed up and ready. Prayed up and ready. Ask God to give you something. Spend some time in prayer with Him before you come to a church service, and I'll promise you it might be one phrase, it might be one word, it might be through a song, it might be through something that somebody else says, but God will give you something that day. We wasn't able to go to the Burlington uh, Revival when they had youth night this past Friday night. And I was watching it as it was proceeding up to time for the meeting to start. And uh, CT was videoing it as he was driving in. And, and I mean, they was packing the tent out at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know where all the kids was. I guess they all skipped school and went. But as they was packing the tent, he was talking to the parking lot attendants as he was driving in. And I mean, if you've been down there... It was cars as far as you could see, and this was like at 5 o'clock, and the meeting wasn't supposed to start till 7. They said it was, it was just jam-packed inside of his brand-new tent. 
But as he was driving up, he was talking to these different parking lot attendants. And this one fellow, I guess he was probably 50, 60 years old. And I mean, he's out there parking cars in the, in the rain. It was raining pretty good, pretty steady. And he had on a little hat. And Brother C.T. pulled up to him and said, hey, brother. I said, how's it going today? And he said, man, I'm just so excited. He said, what are you excited about? He said, somebody's going to get a new mansion today. <laughs> I said, well, glory. He said, somebody's going to get a new mansion today. Enthusiasm shows God in us. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14 challenges us, says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The problem is that you cannot be the light of the world if the switch is off. Just ain't going to happen. We must keep the switch on and let it so shine before men. Five little points and we'll go. Sorry, it's not four points in a poem tonight. It's going to be five. I lost a couple back there in the back, but it'll be all right. You can walk out at number four. <laughs> enthusiasm is contagious. We've already talked about it. I'll touch on it just real briefly. It's exciting to be around enthusiastic people because you can catch their enthusiasm. An upbeat spirit's very contagious. No doubt about it. Number two, enthusiasm gives courage. The Bible tells us to be strong and of good courage. The opposite of courage, of course, is discouragement. Discouraged people are not very enthusiastic. People of courage are very enthusiastic. They have that attitude that says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Their attitude is the bigger they are, the harder they fall. The harder the battle, the sweeter the victory. Courage is a willingness to step out and do something big. Have some courage, have some enthusiasm about what you're doing. It was Dwight Eisenhower that said, what counts is not necessarily the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. Number three, enthusiasm, it increases determination. At times in all of our lives, we have that moment of pity party when we have that quitter's attitude mentality. When you talk about enthusiasm, enthusiasm increases determination. We all need to be more determined. We need to wake up with determination to want to do something great. I played sports all my life growing up as a kid there. And in a ball game, <clears throat> you don't have to win every quarter to win the game. All that matters is at the end of the game, if you got the most points. It doesn't matter if you won first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. But when it comes to the end of the fourth quarter, you better have the most points on the board. In a fight, you don't have to win every round to win the fight. As long as you get that one good cold cock upside the head or up under the chin, and he goes lights out, you won the game. You won the fight. Everybody loves a good comeback. That takes determination to come from behind. I've read some books, being a Carolina fan, I've read some books about the great coach Dean Smith. Reading uh, some of the players had been interviewed as they was talking about Coach Smith and said they would... You know, it would be less than a minute to play in a game and, and coach would call them in and they'd be down by six or seven points. And he said, Coach Smith, we'll look at them. and said, all right, boys, we've got them just where we want them. At one time, I think it was less than 15 seconds in the game and it was down by seven. And Coach Smith looked at all of them and said, we've got them exactly where we want them now. We're going to go out and do this. And the guy said, I don't know how it happened. He said, we did exactly what the coach said and we came out and won. He said, everything just kind of fell right in place. But he always had that mentality to win, to be determined. Of course, it didn't always work out, but he tried to have that attitude. We need a cannot quit attitude. It was at the PHCC graduation, and, and uh, Reverend Joe Gravely spoke there, and he was a keynote speaker, and he said a quote from Rocky the other day. He said, it's not how hard you can hit, but rather it's how hard you can take a hit and keep on going. I've been running that through my mind since I heard it the other day. I even watched that movie. I, ain't, I don't even remember him saying that in that movie. But I ain't seen that movie in a long time. It's how hard you can take a hit and keep on going. Hey, life's tough. Sometimes we're going to take some hard hits. And it might take us a minute or two to get back up. But if you get back up, you're doing okay. Let's have some determination about us. Enthusiasm leads to success. Winston Churchill said success is going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. Just as a reminder, who won the war, Hitler or Churchill? Churchill and MacArthur and others won because they did not lose their morale, even though at times they were losing. They tried to stay positive. They tried to keep the soldiers with a positive attitude. 
that kept their enthusiasm and came out victorious on the other end. As God's people, we have no need to live in defeat. God has already won the battle. The victory was won on the cross of Calvary. And Satan knows that, and that's why he likes to keep us in defeat. The battle's already been won. We're on the winning side. We have no reason to live in defeat. Now, I have no reason to walk around with our heads down. You see, we don't know what kind of day I had. You still breathing? You don't know what I've been through this week, and you don't know what I've been through this week. Enthusiasm also has powerful effects. In the Bible, it uses a phrase of the grain of a mustard seed and says if we had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. You can look at enthusiasm as a grain of mustard seed. A little faith can move mountains. Just a little bit of enthusiasm can have a powerful effect on things. Remember, enthusiasm is God working in you. God is giving us power and strength within. He's working within us. He's giving us power and strength from within. It's that internal flame that is burning and God is waving the fan on that flame and trying to keep it afire. While the devil's sitting over someone with a water gun trying to shoot that thing out. It's not the power of positive thinking, but rather thinking positively because we have a Savior who has done great things for us. Why can't we get excited about church? Why can't we get excited about Jesus and get excited about God and what he has done for us? Enthusiasm demands discipline. I just want to take a minute and elaborate on this just for a second. Enthusiasm demands discipline. Without discipline, and understand this, enthusiasm can turn into sarcasm and loss of temper. If we're not careful, you can get so excited and pumped up about something that you're doing and a, and a work that you're involved in, and, and if other people don't get involved, you all of a sudden get angry, and why can't you see what I'm seeing? Just go on somewhere. I'll do it myself. If we're not careful in, in being disciplined in our enthusiasm, if we don't watch out, it turns into sarcasm and loss of temper. And we have to be careful being so sarcastic all the time. You realize we're a walking, breathing testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in our life? If we're not careful, we'll discourage people by our attitude. We'll come walking in like we're the best thing since sliced bread, and, and all of a sudden, nobody wants to hang around us anymore. What happened? Your enthusiasm turned into sarcasm or loss of temper or bad attitude. Enthusiasm must be done decently and in order. Enthusiasm is not always an outward expression, but sometimes it's an inward desire. Just an inward desire. So enthusiasm demands discipline. We must keep it on guard so it doesn't turn into sarcasm. And then lastly tonight, enthusiasm gives motivation. Enthusiasm gives us motivation. In 1927, Charles Lindenberg flew the Spirit of St. Louis across the Atlantic Ocean in a solo flight from New York to Europe. He said, and quote, It is the greatest shot of adrenaline to be doing what you have wanted to do so badly. He said, You almost feel like you could fly without a plane. He was enthusiastic about flying that. He had many haters said, You can never make it across there. You're going to die. Be out there all by yourself. He had so much enthusiasm burning from the inside, that inward desire to get that plane across the Atlantic Ocean. He said it was the greatest shot of adrenaline, being able to do what he wanted to do so badly. Enthusiasm gives us motivation. What are we enthusiastic about tonight? What's driving you? Do you have a desire to want to do something great for God? You're excited and enthusiastic over the ministry that you're involved in. Whether you're, I mean, from the littlest thing, and everything's big for God, but from the littlest thing to the biggest thing. Whether you're sweeping floors or whether you're preaching every Sunday, what is your desire? Have that enthusiasm about what God has given you to do. If you're singing in the choir, be enthusiastic about it. Man, we've got to get some smiles on these people's faces out here. 
Let's all stand together tonight. Biblical enthusiasm gives us motivation. It demands discipline. Has powerful effects. Leads to success. Increases determination. Gives us courage. Enthusiasm is also contagious. If we'll get excited about God's house, others around us will get excited as well. We need to quit living in the dumps. And we need to be living just like we're royalty. Hey, I don't have a lot of royal things now, but you've got a mansion that's up in heaven that God's already prepared for you. Jesus has given us the victory. We are more than conquerors through him. We need to have some enthusiasm about what we're involved in, whether you're teaching Sunday school, working in the nursery, mowing the lawn, whatever it may be. 